Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. Once again, thank you for stopping on back here. Uh, to our Through the Xenos Verse stream. This is going to be number five, I believe, of our ongoing and continuing commentary on all things Xenos. And in our last one we did, uh, we were specifically addressing uh, the very serious issue of mental health and how unfortunately it seems to be uh, an item of secondary importance within Xenos. And unfortunately, that's that's not uncommon in a lot of places. Uh, mental health really is something that's often more stigmatized than it should be. And uh, But when you're in a, in a hothouse place like a cult, like a movement that, that demands perfection of everybody, uh, with, with that kind of, uh, of just incredible uh, uh, compulsion, to, to fall in step and, and, and not be found out uh, for your weaknesses. That can be a very, very often very dangerous and, and very, very um, uh, disorienting place to be. And as we shared last uh, in our last Xenos verse about uh, what, Z, what mental illness is, what it, what it, uh, and what, and how it's basically everywhere. It's, it's part of the human condition. Um, we want to be able at this point now explore probably some of the more darker aspects of it. We, and and we've, we've already started that. But uh, for this part of our journey through the Xenosverse, I've invited my sister-in-law, Sarah. And Sarah, I, it's good to have you with us today. Sarah is a, a licensed counselor. She is a trauma therapist. And I want to really appreciate the, her taking the time out of her extremely busy schedule to come by and visit with us. And, and Sarah, you know, I want to introduce you to Colin and Megan and Mila, and, and we're all glad to have to, to see you here today. Thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Well, it's a difficult subject, but I um, really appreciate you inviting me. Right. And I appreciate you taking us through this because I, I'm certainly not qualified to speak in trauma, but in the most general terms. And it's not a, it's not rocket science, but, but for, for, to, to help understand it better, I think yeah, I couldn't think of anybody else better to do that. So, and uh, as we all know, uh, we know Colin and Megan. They've been with us on our Xenosverse deep dives for the past uh, few weeks or few months, actually. And uh, Mila uh, joins us today. She was on our podcast a couple weeks ago. It's good to see you, and uh, welcome to our Xenosverse today. Thank now, you. It's good to see you today. So. So what we wanted to do is really get an understanding of 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 okay, this, what is seems to be at the root of a lot of mental illness. Now, not all mental illness is trauma caused. A lot of it is hereditary. A lot of it is is, is something that comes from from uh, from diseases of, of the mind, of the brain, of chemical imbalances. Uh, a lot of a lot of those disturbances come from from organic means, but there are those that come directly from trauma. So. 
Sarah, as, as, as a trauma therapist, maybe explain to us and give us a little bit of insight to what trauma really is and, and how it and how and what how it appears in uh, systems like uh, like ZDOS or other places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just um, to start off, I guess one of the obvious things that we all think of as trauma is when there's some catastrophic event, you know, we were aware of war trauma, um, combat, death, witnessing things like that. Um, those are, those are the ones that we can easily grasp and, and understand that would be, um, disturbing to the mind, but there are many other ways that we can experience what, in essence is trauma, you know, when we're witnessing, um, something happen to someone else, that's, um, secondary exposure to traumatic things. Um, and depending on what age and stage of life we're at, different experiences can be very traumatic. So, um, that wouldn't be if we were older or in a different circumstance. So, um, within, within the world of EMDR treatment, we talk about big T trauma and little T trauma. And so um, an example of a small T trauma would be, you know, bullying experiences when a child is bullied or when um, they're experiencing um, listening to parents arguing and, and fighting or something like that, you know, very small. Those things can have a lasting impact, being humiliated. Um, so even though it's a small T, it can have a very similar effect as a large T, particularly if it accumulates. So, um, you know, the, the DSM, our diagnostic statistical manual for diagnosing um, post-traumatic stress disorder lists very clear exposure to trauma like death or threatened death, um, violence, um, either that we experience or we witness someone else experience or the fear that we would, you know, could die. Um, but when we go into things like um, child abuse or relationship, domestic violence, um, there's a lot more layers of traumatic things that happen that um, can accumulate and create a complex trauma situation. And so the impact of of many smaller or maybe you know what would be viewed as um you know not the classic uh near-death experience but um other experiences that are very distressing when those are layered you know many many times over that creates a very very deep impact psychologically and so um you know, things like domestic violence, like being in a situation where you feel that there's not a way out of the situation, extreme control and humiliation, um, power and control kinds of situations. Those are very, very devastating um, to the mind. And so um, trauma comes in many forms. And particularly when it's at the hands of someone that we would expect to trust. It has an even deeper impact on mm-hmm. us. 
So, you know, in the circumstance of, of family violence, child abuse or domestic violence, and then trusted relationships, um, like within a church situation, um, in, in a situation where you would expect to, to be safe and that's not the case, um, that has a very significant impact. Right can lead to what we would call complex PTSD. So, and um, how, how I explain just the impact of what is trauma? What does it do in our mind? So um, one of the, one of the ways that I have understood um, in the EMDR field of, of training is that we have the ability in our mind to work through our experiences day to day. And we do a lot of that work that happens when we're sleeping. You know, when we're in REM sleep, our brain is working through our experiences and processing um, what we've gone through. And one of the first symptoms often of something that overloads that natural system in our brain to just kind of work through our life day-to-day experiences is sleep disruption. So when something um, kind of overrides that system and, and is it like get stuck in a sense um, that often leads to an early symptom is disrupted sleep. Um, what we do know is that when we're in a really distressing situation, we have a distressing experience, we have a flood of hormones, cortisol, um, epinephrine, just these stress hormones that flood and um, lead to that. We experience those when we're kind of in a fight or flight response. And so um, the reason I mentioned just even like as a child in school, if you feel humiliated or you feel bullied or something like that, and you get that stress response of cortisol and your heart races um that has an impact on the brain where it sort of shuts off the communication it causes a blockage between the two sides of our brain and they the two sides the two hemispheres have very distinct roles and one side is more the seat of our emotions and sensations our sensory experiences and the other side um the left hemisphere is where our speech center is located, our sort of narrative, thinking, cognitive, rational process is, is more centered on that side. And when that gets disrupted in a traumatic experience, um, we tend to, um, that experience tends to get frozen on that sensory side, that nonverbal side. Um, and so we feel the emotions, the sensations, the horror or the shame or the guilt and it just sort of loops and just we get triggered and it all comes back like it's happening it's very hard to put into words um mm-hmm. and so right that's a bit of what's going on neurologically when we're traumatized um and like you mentioned mental health um there there's genetic components there's um Gene markers now, you know, with genetic studies that we can, um, they can pinpoint, it's very complex, it's generally not a very simple thing, you know, there's multiple markers that um, add up to maybe a a tendency or a proclivity towards a certain mental illness, 
but um, from studies like twin studies and, and things like that, there's a deeper understanding that those, those genetic markers don't just automatically get turned on. Um, our life experiences interact with that. And so if we have traumatic experiences, then, you know, we are much more likely to have some of those um, things, those switches mm -hmm. get flipped. Um, and we can experience depression, anxiety, or a full-blown PTSD from these kind of traumatic experiences. Right. The more we have, obviously, the more vulnerable we become to having significant, you know, mental health mm -hmm. from those experiences. Now, on the basis of what we, we've, we're hearing from you, then, as we've already known, we've already discussed in our past broadcast here is that um you know people are actually traumatized by their experiences in high demand groups where those conditions of control and abuse cross over a line and become very very harmful and destructive and that's what you know unfortunately colin and megan and Mila and so many others have seen and experienced and i remember megan you telling us about how it just broke my heart when I heard it. How how much you you burnt yourself out trying to juggle jobs and yet fulfill all the demands of the of of the group to the point where you 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 were literally were a zombie. You weren't you weren't able to sleep. You weren't able to get the kind of rest you wanted. And and I'm sure Colin and Mila, that's that's kind of your experience too. The way you're kept constantly going. So with that sleep, that sleep deprivation as a foundation, it sounds like, you know, this is one way that a group like that, like Xenos, can actually cause abuse. Do you, do you guys agree with that or, or what? I agree. So, so many demands were made on, you know, your time that, I think sleep deprivation was probably pretty common. I wouldn't say I consider it a consider it something that everyone experienced systematically because there wasn't any sort of you must stay awake until this time, you must wake up at that time and stuff of the like. I'm sure that you know there were plenty of people who did get enough sleep especially, you know, if you had college students who didn't have classes start till later, um, if uh, people tended to major in the least rigorous subjects in Xenos, um, you know, so I, I think it could be possible to get a full amount of sleep and actively be involved in Xenos, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people probably have similar experience of not being able to get enough sleep. Um, granted, yeah. you know, most people in my group didn't have a shift that started at 7 a.m. So uh, it's hard to yeah. say. Right. I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a possible, it's, it's a contributing element. I'm not going to say it's, it's definitive, but it certainly doesn't help, you know, for you to, for you to be put through the things you threw, like, like, you know, for you guys to have experienced what you've experienced, the demands made upon you, and then the injustices you saw, it was just seemingly a normal thing to go on. 
and that of course worked its way into into becoming something traumatic. Uh, yeah, um, I wanted to add on to what Megan said. Um, I think, yeah, I agree with everything she just said, and I also think you have to think about the fact that if you're just in Xenos, you're going to three meetings a, a week, so you have Monday your CT, your home church, and then your cell. And then if you're in a secondary group, you're adding on Sunday. And if that's high school group, that's then a Tuesday. So it's five days out of the seven days of a week that you're already busy. And a lot of people who are in college group are not only doing those things, but they're also discipling people. They're also being discipled, taking classes in Xenos, working, and then going to school. So that's 10 things that people are doing every week. So you think about how do you have that time to be able to take six to eight hours of you know rest? Um, actually, it's 11 because I don't know if you guys had these, but we had house meetings as well. So that was every week, you know? Um, so you're doing that and then hanging out with people in the church and then also trying to evangelize people outside of the church. So it's like you're getting little to no sleep and then you're doing all of these things on top of it. So people who didn't really come from backgrounds who, you know, they went through traumatic reports in their, you know, nature, um, genetics, I should say, probably ended up developing anxiety or depression because they have all these things and don't have time to eat or sleep or take time to just be, you know, self-reflect and self-care. So it was a lot on a lot of people. And, you know, adding on to what Megan said, even if it's someone who was doing pre-med, I can't imagine that, you know, I was an English major, so writing was good and easy for me, but people who are doing those rigorous, like career, um, or I should say um, rigorous careers or rigorous um, subjects in, in college, I, I can't even that would be like, for them too, you know? Yeah. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. To Mila's point with the really demanding, you know, schedule at Xenos, you really have to pick and choose. So if you are going to get enough sleep, you are probably completely isolating yourself from anyone outside of the Xenos sphere because of the... I don't know quite how many like hours a week I'd say was, you know, uh, you know, in, in Xenos, but, you know, um, almost every day of the week, there was a separate like meeting that, you know, I went to plus then of course, all the discipleship relationships. Um, so if you were going to actually have real friendships and real life influences outside of Xenos, it would be extremely difficult to get sleep. Yeah. So you, it, it's, you know, um, you're either isolated or you're sleep deprived, maybe mm-hmm. both. Um, yeah, but it wasn't, it, there wasn't a clear forced right. lack of sleep. And so it's, it's really difficult to recognize right. the unhealthy dynamics when right. you're in it. It was more consequential. I mean, it was just what happened. You didn't get the rest. You didn't get the time. Then you're, you're busy. You're, you don't have a lot of time for privacy, personal reflection. And let's face it, from everything I've been hearing, and in Colin, maybe you can speak at this point, not everybody in Xenos gets along. You, it's very hard for a group of young people who have conflicts kind of, you know, work through those 
on the fly. That's difficult. So you got the additional level of relational stress. And then the, the, the perfectionism uh, that you got from the leaders, how we're all supposed to care for one another and watch over everybody and be responsible to each other. And yet when that happens, it gets messy really fast. It's something you you saw. I'm sure. I'm sure you, you you in in your sharing with us in the path over your perhaps over your issues related to your, to your marriage choice and everything like that. That got really messy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, even just to like kind of add more to what these two ladies have been saying about um, the like ridiculous amount of time spent not focusing on yourself and your own mental health and your own body you're i was one of the people along with plenty of others that you would bully people into staying up later it was like a thing at least in the group that i was in that if you weren't up until at least midnight before you went home it was like frowned upon and you would be like (laughs) approached for not being a night owl i guess it was like you're not staying up long enough to be able to really enjoy fellowship and invest in people and this, that, and the other thing. And so it was a constant, like, if you're not doing this right, we're going to like reprimand you for it. And so then that made a lot of people butt heads. I mean, I being somebody who had to wake up early every day to go to work, um, you know, I'm getting up at seven thirty, seven forty five every morning to go to work. And then people are saying, Oh, you got to, you know, you can you can only go to bed after midnight. So you got to stay up for every single thing that you're doing. So then you're only getting maybe seven hours of sleep if you actually go to bed right at midnight and like are situated and everything like that. But if you went like a ten, like even if it was like 15 minutes before, people would get time. So there's that aspect of all of that. But then on top of other conflicts and things that you butted heads with people on was if you had any form of differing view on how different, how things should work. So if like the consensus in a group was that you can only go on dates with somebody once a week, if you did anything more than that, you were getting talked to people were getting on your, they were, they were getting on your case about doing anything that was outside of the social norm within the sect of people that you were around. And so yeah, it ble- it bleeds into every aspect of your life, and it's very hard to break away from that. Even for myself, still for being out of the church for almost three years now, I still have a hard time breaking past some of like the thought patterns and like things that I viewed as important aren't important anymore. But I have a really hard time disconnecting those two things from this is okay, and people aren't going to be mad at me if I do this. If I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. But who am I going to get in trouble with? My wife? She doesn't care. Mm -hmm. She's in the same boat as me. Like, it's not like I got somebody breathing down my neck like you do in Xenos, where you have four, five, six, seven, eight people all telling you the same thing that you need to do this and this and this. And oh, yeah. So you definitely butt heads on a lot of things. And if you don't fix it, it becomes a character issue for you because it's your problem. And it's your fault for somebody telling you that you should be doing something this way and you're not listening to them, especially if it's someone in a higher position than yourself. So if it's just Mm -hmm. a common worker to a common worker, you can kind of avoid each other. But if it's anybody that has any form of 
authority in your life in the church. So whether it be a leader or your discipler or somebody that's viewed as more spiritual than you, you need to listen to what they say. And then if you don't, then you get constant, um, constantly reprimanded for not listening or not following orders, basically like a soldier. And so it's, yeah, conflict is extremely real and very damaging for the person who's constantly going through the struggles of I must perform, I must perform. And yeah, so I mean, that's, if that helps at all add to what you were asking, I hopefully that does. Oh, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, and then that is an, and then in essence, all these conflicts, all this, all these things contribute uh, uh, to an experience that's uniformly negative, that wears people down, that intrudes on their private conscience, on their choice, upon their health. Um, it's like a slow motion trauma, Tara. How would you describe that kind of that kind of of, of a that kind of ongoing, relentless pressure? How would you describe that? How has that contributed to trauma? Well, you're talking about what you guys I hear you describing is you know a situation that's all about power and control, and controlling every aspect of people's lives. Um, and and that begins to you know have an effect of um breaking down our our sense of self um and you know it it ultimately it can happen on a very neurological level where you combine sleep deprivation um overextended schedules all the time um feeling that you're constantly not measuring up or maybe the bar is changing. Maybe you did what you thought you were supposed to, but the bar changes. So there's this floating bar of expectations, which keeps us off kilter. And those are, those are really descriptions of authoritarian um, power and control. Um, It's, it's in, and so what I'm also hearing you describe is where there's not time for outside relationships, there's not time for outside influences, which, you know, if, if the, um, really the objective is to be the only source of information, the only source of truth there is, is from Xenos, then they have to do everything possible to quiet any kind of outside influence information relationships so um yeah i mean that's a very kind of classic description of a total community or a you know in a sense a totalitarian kind of a community on at least you know moving in that direction on the spectrum of healthy and not healthy um organizations that is um clearly not considering the needs of individuals you know we need to have balance we need to have sleep we need to have um diverse you know relationships with family and friends and and outside sources so that we're able to use our critical thinking skills and we're able to use our own discernment and and um stay in touch with ourselves you know stay connected with our emotions and and so 
a lot of this sounds subtle and it's it's hard to pinpoint like they didn't absolutely like they didn't you know come in and pull you out of bed or something like that but it sounds like the pressure was there that if you didn't stay up till midnight you were going to be punished which meant that somehow you were falling short of perfection their version of of perfection and so now you are less than um and and when we're constantly um given that message that we're less than we're not measuring up we're not doing something right depression and anxiety is an obvious outcome of that you can see that in authoritarian households with kids you know if they're constantly being um pressured and driven and you know not getting sleep and not knowing you know how to please their parent they're going to grow up to be depressed and anxious and and so this is very yeah sounding to a family situation because you know or did all of you live in um different housing and things that where you were you mentioned house meetings and all of that so um you yep. lived with other xenos members so it was really a total environment of this so kind of replacing a, a family dynamic oh yeah mm-hmm. it, yes i think we all lived in ministry houses okay yeah and often in in controlling types of organizations, there's layers of the control. So, you know, I on the outset it doesn't look the same as as you go deeper into it and the control ex, you know increases. Right. That's completely true. Yeah, you don't recognize any of it at the beginning because none of it's there when you're a new member they're not controlling you but it's once you are you have uh, sacrificed so much or maybe i shouldn't say that it sounds too like but you know when you've invested so much into it and then this the control increases the more you invest in it and so you're less willing to consider how serious the warning signs are because you're so invested at that point mm-hmm. uh, but back at the beginning when you really are, you know, questioning and maybe you heard about the bad reputation they had. Like, I know I'd been questioning at the beginning and I was asking a lot of questions, trying to kind of figure out, is there something to this bad reputation? And I was convinced that everything was good. <laughs> and then I invested. Uh, and then it's so easy to say, well, no group is perfect. And keep going yeah and colin when you were raised as someone raised in the church you were taught as you as you matured as as you move from age group age level to age level how much more expectant they were going to make of you how, i'm sure how much more expectation was going to be made upon you mm-hmm. how much you were you were home and had by to, to make those sacrifices to give more to, and to do more without questioning, so it so so you were retained and kept in in that environment, and and you saw generations of uh, you know, hundreds, you know, how many thousands of young men and women raised in that way to to just accept that as normal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you definitely. 
you deal a lot with performance. The more you perform, the better you perform, the more you're praised. And so then you constantly are seeking that praise because you don't get it very often. And so then it feels really good when you receive it. And so then when you're not performing properly, you're getting the slap on the wrist, the why are you not doing this the way that you were before, you know, what, what's wrong with you. And so then you start to look internally and see that like, Oh man, I'm not living up to their standards. There must be something wrong with me. And so then you start to diverge of like, okay, so I'm going to act out to get attention now because I just wanted to be seen because you start to kind of fall through the wayside. They don't really care as much about you if you aren't performing. And so then you either, go into total isolation isolation or you act out until you are seen again and then you kind of build up from there and so i would see it as you're making a lot of sacrifices when you are deciding to be a part of xenos because there's so many things that you wish you could do i mean growing up in it there are so many things that i chose to not do because i knew that it would take up more of my time than what Xenos, the people in the church, were okay with me taking up. So I didn't pursue sports in high school. I didn't do anything extracurricular. I didn't go into school because I wanted to have more time for fellowship and evangelism and spending time with the people in my home church and building them up and growing the relationships with that. And it you know, you can twist that as much as you want to be. It's, oh, it was your decision. You decided to do this. You decided to not do these things and pursue these things. Well, on the other side of that coin, you see the people that did choose to do these things, go to the schools that they wanted to play the sports that they wanted to. And they were the people that were bad mouthed and constantly looked at as unspiritual or unable to be a part of a committed church like their their commitment level wasn't high enough and so then they're not going to be a sole focus so they're going to focus on this other person that's made these sacrifices to be a part of this community that they might not even want to be a part of but they love the praise they want the praise they want the positive interactions that you get so few and far between that makes you continue to stay it's get a tiny piece of the carrot but then they extend the line, so you got to chase it further, and then you get another tiny piece, and it's constant, constant. Just you're in a circle of trying for over and over, and it really it wears you down. I mean, being being somebody who struggles with mental illness and has struggled for a very long time and is a suicide survivor, it's definitely something that. I hope a lot of people notice and see that they can do what they want and not feel like they have to be stuck in this rut and be forced into doing things that they don't want to do. Because those are the things that led me to be in the places that I was before. I'm much better now and I'm much happy with who I am and my mental health is much better than it was before. But in the church, you are beaten down to the point where you view yourself as worthless and until you can get past that, that's just where you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that contributes to the layers. Again, the, just the ongoing, relentless, crushing, damaging pressure that this system puts on you to comply, to do whatever you have to do to, 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 you know, um, 
to uh, you know rise to the top, you know. But it's it's a it's a continual treadmill. It's an ongoing thing. And then when you factor in also, as we've mentioned, the outrages that you deal with, you know, the struggles you have, you know, you know, part of the the culture of Xenos is that uh, every one of you were, were, were compelled to feel that you needed to be in submission to an authority figure to whom you were responsible in some way to confess your sins, to confess your issues, confess your problems. And in that confession, uh, trusts were, you convey trust to that, that were broken, that were shattered, that were constantly uh, 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 hinted at. Even in group sessions, uh, I mean, that's one of the most heartrending things that you know I hear from you guys is that how much of, of of your personal struggle you convey to people who who you think you can trust, and and have it you know just turned back on you. To me, that's that's a traumatizing thing, Sarah, isn't it? That, that's where you get with it, and it, this is an ongoing problem. Pro- problem. It's 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 a mandated verbal oral. Uh, tradition within 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 Zenos. but but that's what that but that's what is traumatic isn't it absolutely yeah i mean you're describing so um you know at an extreme level when you're in a kind of a total closed organization which um is is very much you know these characteristics um, where they control what's right and what's wrong and who's good enough and who's not and who's succeeding and who's not. And these expectations are crushing. Um, that's, and and then there's these punishments and these rewards and they're dangling carrots, but, you know, so you might get a little bit of praise. And, and so um, that's very much a description when we look at, again, going back to like our, our parent-child relationship, that's describing what would be like a disorganized attachment. It's, it's a, um, it's like the person you trust is the person that's hurting you. Um, You know, the source of comfort is also the source of, of fear and not living up to, or, you know, if I don't get this right, I'm actually going to lose my salvation. Or, you know, if I get kicked out of this group or I don't, you know, please them, um, I, what happens? You know, who am I? Um, I have nothing. And so it's this, it's a level of fear that it's internalized. Um, you know, there's not somebody with a gun to your head, but it's almost more damaging because you almost, psychologically you know have have lost your own sense of self and you're trying to to please this impossible figure um right when when a child is in that kind of circumstance it results in a constant feedback loop of of you know we're designed to to get nurtured and cared for as children but if that caregiver role is also the person who's scaring us and hurting us then you're being drawn to danger and um and so it creates internal conflict that it can result in just you know when we talk about fight flight and freeze it can result in freeze which is like a dissociated state we begin to disconnect from our feelings and our thoughts and that's when 
a group that has a belief system where they're telling people every single aspect of their life, then they can put that in where your own personal thoughts need to be, you know, that make you who you are. Um, They create that kind of vacuum that they can then begin indoctrination, you know? Um, So yeah, it's, it's extremely abusive when you look at it that way. And um, it's heartbreaking to hear because this is, being done to people it's not something wrong with anybody there a participant of you know a, a, a member um it's it's systematically being done to people who are you know they're seeking i don't think anybody you know goes to a church wanting to have this kind of outcome you know, we go to a church, we join a group because we have a desire, you know, to serve God and to please God or to, you know, serve and have a purpose. And basically that um, desire is being taken advantage of and it's, right. it's being manipulated and it's being terribly abused. Right. And it's no wonder, you know, when we understand people have limits. No matter how indoctrinated you are, no matter how much hope you have in making a system that's broken work, it it doesn't matter. Uh, There comes a point in which people have limits and the inevitable thoughts come. You know, maybe I'd be much better if if I wasn't around. Maybe I would be much better if maybe I could escape this pain. I mean, that's why suicidal ideation comes up. And that's what people struggle with. And, uh, and, and Megan and me, you guys, Colin, you guys can, can speak to that. It's a, how, how really, how much did this come up when you guys were you know, kind of fellowshipping with people and just, you know, people may have been honest and maybe may or may have slipped and been vulnerable. How much did the discussion kind of lend itself towards them expressing that kind of desire for an out? I know you struggle with it with yourselves, but is that something that, that, that you often saw? Yeah. So I have one specific instance and I think Ronnie talked about this on her episode with a friend who um, was going through a lot. Uh, She was originally from Ghana. So like most of her family, like wasn't from America. And then um, she was, I think, I don't know what she was diagnosed with, but she had a really hard time with uh, her family and then stuff going on in Xenos. And she was like at the brink of like leaving. So she um, got admitted into the ER. um, And then when we spoke to her about everything, I mean, Ronnie went to go visit her. She talked about how the person who was studying with her kind of was like, you know, if you read your Bible more, if you spend time with God more, you won't have these types of feelings. And I think yeah. that's a big thing that I've heard and seen in Zenos, where it's like, people just think that if you pray every day, your mental illnesses are going to go away. And it's like, no, that's absolutely not. You, you have to think about, okay, if I just sat there and prayed that, you know, my cancer would go away, it would just magically go away. That's not how it works. We know that God believes in science. And so we need to take that kind of stuff seriously. You shouldn't tell people 
that that's the only way they're going to get better, you know, or saying that if you do this is going to help you get more better. Like the imbalance of chemicals in our brains, we need that type of therapy, therapy, whether it's every week, every couple of days. Um, and then some people also need to take medication for that. Um, so it was really sad hearing that there were quite a few people who were told that, you know, um, you know, maybe you should think about the reason why this happened. Maybe it's because you're not coming to a bunch of meetings or maybe it's because you're not spending time with your disciple or et cetera, et cetera, where that is just not the case. And that's not how mental health works. So yeah. it's really frustrating to see and hear about a lot of those yeah. things. Yeah. And then if they viewed it as serious enough, um, they would suggest seeing a Xenos counselor. And so it's an unlicensed just Xenos member that's respected for their opinion. Um, and you would meet with them <laughs> yeah. every so often. And you have to sign this um, waiver, basically. And they wouldn't do the counseling with you unless you signed this waiver and listed somebody you were comfortable with having your information shared with. So even, you know, in the instances where you'd be seeking this Xenos counseling, you were still having all of your information and anything that you said that you thought would maybe, maybe in confidence was being shared with whatever leader you felt comfortable enough having it shared with. And so they constantly, no matter what, had tabs on you. And so then if you weren't comfortable with... um meeting with the Xenos counselor that they just kind of appoint, they would often, more often than not, tell you that, okay, if you want to go see a professional, go to Wellsprings Counseling. Um, and Wellsprings, yeah. I think it was more like 80, about 80% of the um, counselors there are Xenos members. And there is the um, patient client confidentiality, but from what I have been told, I did not ever experience this because I was not a part of, I didn't ever do Wellsprings counseling. I saw it completely outside of Xenos, no, no touch to Xenos yeah. at all counseling. But um, from what I was told by my wife who saw somebody through Wellsprings was that they do still share your information with your leaders if they were to ask. They don't just voluntarily give it, but if you're a leader of your home church was like, I'm concerned with this person, they're seeing you, would you mind telling me what you guys have been talking about? They will tell them. So wow. the, the patient client or the client therapist confidentiality is just not there in any form at both of this right. professional location or in their home office, you know, so it's terrifying to even think that that is still probably happening to hundreds of people because I was one of them. Yeah, but you were going to a Xenos biblical counselor. Right. Right? A mm -hmm. pastoral counselor, a spiritual counselor. You weren't going to a professional therapist, but but this but this kind of 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 uh, of, of um, paste and dodge is what's going on all the time in in, in Xenos, isn't it? Right. Where you're, you're told to go to counselors who are biblical, who are from within the church, and they told you're told you can sign a document. But that, that 
but that's not anything to do with healthcare per se. It's just you signing a document and they're going to freely say, as you indicated, what they want to. Right. None of these people were able to subscribe anything either. So, yeah. So again, that's just another level of power and control where they're closing the system. So they're, they're tightening the trap where when you do need to talk and get help, they're creating this internal um, kind of closed system of, of here, go to them. Just exactly. It's like, you know, the Fox watching the hen house. I mean, they're, it's just more, it's more abuse. It's more control. And the, what I'm hearing too is the source of the mental health symptoms is being offered as the solution. And it's actually what's created it in the first place. And they're offering you more, more of that. Um, Just uh, unbelievably abusive. Mm -hmm. It is. It's it's a story no one's telling. No one's talking about it. No one's, no one's really discussing it. And I, and I, I, I'm just amazed. I'm thank God that all of you guys got out with what you have. I really am so grateful that you've made it out, but man, you're not alone. There's so many others who, who, who haven't made it out. Mm-hmm. I hope are listening today. I hope you're listening today. You folks who are, who are still within Xenos, who are, who've been a part of this, this, this tragic situation. And I'm hoping that you're hearing some alternative perspectives mm-hmm. and, um, it's just it's just a travesty. It's just unreal, and they're still doing. They're still organizing, from what I understand, uh, more counseling services. I think there's a new one they're opening up, or or maybe already have opened up. I don't know if it's already open, but they are opening it. If it's not already, isn't it like just off OSU somewhere? I think oh. so. Yeah, it's their own mm. like counseling office. It's like Wellsprings, from what I understand, but it's Xenos owned instead of being a separate company that just has all of their members in it. Wow. It sounds almost like a recruiting tool. So if people come in for counseling, they can propagandize them into the group and honey, the honeymoon phase, you know, um, of, of any kind of very manipulative controlling group um, is, is going to have the outside layer is going to be some kind of appealing thing like, you know, this loving counseling that is presented to lure people, you know, unsuspecting people. And um, that's, that's what comes to my mind. If they're opening counseling centers that that are open to the public. Right. I think that's most likely true. Whenever you would have new people coming out to Xenos, you would, or I guess it's dwell now you would in prayer group share about them. And so my guess is that if they're bringing in anyone through this counseling center, all the details are going to have been shared with everyone in the home church before the person probably even walks through the door. And so people will be, will probably, you know, approach the newcomer in a way that's going to very, very easily draw that person in. Because if you know what someone's struggling with, you can, you know, you know, you can relationally reach out in a way that's going to be very attractive to someone who's hurting. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, 
I mean, I was, oh, I went over the years, I've gone in and out of counseling. And at one point, you know, I did go to Wellspring Counseling while in Xenos and my counselor actually had been roommates with my discipler before, <laughs> which was kind of like, ah, this is a little too, you know what I mean? It was, it was a little, a little too close, know, too personal. Too yeah. Close. yeah. But anyway, um, I Almost met with her for a bit and gosh, wow. eventually stopped when it wasn't, um, I don't remember exactly why, but anyway, eventually stopped. But then later, when I was in a really desperate, heavily depressed state and needed to go into counseling, and I know I shared this last time, but basically I was advised to get professional help. I wasn't sent to the Xenos Counseling Center, but actually go to a professional counselor because I was communicating, you know, being very heavily depressed and suicidal or whatever. I don't know. At least suicidal ideation at that point. I communicated. And... But, and I started seeking out counseling when they recommended that, you know, to get back into it. But I needed to find one that worked with my insurance because I think with Wellspring, they didn't take insurance or at least when I called like again to try and get back in and I wasn't able to just afford out of pocket. Um, And they kicked me out of Xenos before I was able to get hooked up with the counselor. And I immediately started seeking out a counselor and trying to kind of figure out the whole insurance thing, you know, as soon as it was recommended. So again, even when they do recommend outside help, I really think it is lip service so that to kind of be able to save face of, oh yeah, we recommended professional licensed counselors to this person who expressed suicidal ideation. But if they actually cared about helping me they wouldn't have kicked me out before I could even get into my first counseling session Um, when I was in that place I think that mental health stuff was just very it people were suspicious of it being genuine and it probably would have been discussed more often in the church if there wasn't that suspicion regarding it and it being viewed as people making up excuses. I remember the first time someone in my first home church brought up that she was suicidal. She was being kicked out of the ministry house. So not actually excommunicated from the church as a whole, she shared with the group, Hey, I've been thinking suicide. You know, I'm not saying this to try and manipulate things to, you know, be allowed to stay in the ministry house, but it's so sad that you have to preface that, you know, you can't share with people, Hey, I'm suicidal, but she was on the defensive from the get go. Like I'm not trying to manipulate or or convince people to keep me in the house, but I'm, you know, sharing this. And there was a lot of distrust know of the person and I I know I dreaded when I was getting more and more suicidal communicating that to people in the church particularly my discipler so like when I was like you know contemplating you know uh, overdosing on pills and I'm like I need to call a friend to come over I tried calling a number of people who you know didn't answer the phone at the time and I eventually did call my discipler 
but I was dreading it in terms of, oh, she's just going to think I'm making this up because, you know, my discipline meeting is coming up later today um, where there's a good chance I'll be kicked out of the church. And, you know, it's, I, I felt very defensive of like, will she even believe me or is she going to consider me just, I don't know. Yeah. I felt like I was being manipulative or would be thought of as that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to hear that because at least for me, whenever we heard anybody talk about um, contemplating suicide or even like saying, you know, I'm struggling with these thoughts. Most of the time people would um, either take you themselves to like OSU or Riverside, or they would just call like 911 to like have somebody come and take you to the hospital because they viewed you as like the plague basically. And they didn't want to have to deal with it. They'd send you off to a hospital and then, they would kind of leave you alone after that and would view you as somebody who was unspiritual and unable to um, think for themselves because they're struggling more with these thoughts of ending their own lives. They obviously don't care about the life that God could be giving them. That was kind of like the rationale. Yeah. A lot of the time that's how people would be viewed. And it was, it breaks my heart because I mean, I was one of those people too. I thought that way about those people. And I myself was one of the people that, you know, contemplated and thought about suicide and saw myself as like, do I not, am I not worth enough for God? Am I not worth enough for these people? You know, so it's, it's heartbreaking to hear that. And also it's just, it's, yeah, it's disgusting that that even is something that you have to talk about and, think that you have to defend yourself for why this is okay to have these thoughts or, oh, it's not okay to have these thoughts, but why you need to rationalize why it's not something internal instead of this excuse to get out of something. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been, you know, different for me if I, you know, had communicated, Hey, I'm thinking of overdosing and, you know, I needed someone over before I researched which pills to overdose, you know, to, to use. Cause I, I mean, I didn't know off the bat <laughs> how sure. much to take or what, you know? So I just mm-hmm. thought, yeah, I need someone here before I look up the information. Um, I need to be kept, you know, kept ignorant here. <laughs> um, so it's, but that was, I think the day of my discipline hearing, like that was earlier in the day and my discipline meeting was that evening or the day before, but I think it was the day of regardless, but not big difference either way. So I think for me, given that it wouldn't have been that because, Hey, that would have gotten in the way of the discipline meeting, which was super, super important at the time. I wonder if with my friend who was getting kicked out of the ministry house, if it was like, Hey, we're not letting this detract from we're kicking you out right now of the house. Um, no, like we're not doing a detour to the hospital. Oh, I don't know. Um, I know with my, with a very good friend at the time, um, he was, yes, they called, had him go to, you know, called 911, had him go to the ER and, you know, go through that way. So eh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard when you're going off of, 
three scenarios trying to <laughs> say what was the thing. Yeah. All right. But yeah, and what what it sounds like is also um so Colin, you described, you know, just kind of shuttling people away that were posing a problem mm-hmm. that fit in the narrative the group think. And so let's get them out before they maybe infect the group. So um, with outside thought, you know, with outside exposure to um, actual real mental health treatment, you know, if you were to encourage that and keep the person in the group, then there's a threat to um, exposure. There's a threat of exposure, you know, because... Um, if someone is truly, you know, a licensed mental health therapist and they're hearing some of the things that you're experiencing that are directly leading to suicidal ideation, they're going to expose the abusive relationship that's going on with this organization, just like you would with a domestic violence partner or a child abuse situation with an abusive parent. Um, so, yeah, but this is a Christian church, you know, that doesn't happen. If, if it's somebody's problem, it's because they have the issue and we told them to get help. So, so that's the dodge they get, Sarah. That's the about time. Yeah. You know? I know you know that, but exactly. <laughs> you're not, you're, you're certainly not, a, not a, a novice on that. So, right. Organizations, you know, whether it's a family system or a church system or a government system can have corruption and, and be extremely defective and dysfunctional and abusive. And so those qualities, if you just look at, at, at the actual, you know, criteria of a an authoritarian system could be an authoritarian father authoritarian boss and authoritarian pastor and the effect of that is going to be the things that you're describing and the the real truth here is that xenos is sick they're wrong they're abusive and these things there is no other word for them but abuse and um, disregard of, of people for the sake of furthering whatever their agenda is, which sounds like to control. Um, ultimately, it's just power. And, um, and that's not the Bible. That's not Jesus. That's certainly not um, the, the Jesus of the scripture. The gospel doesn't need an add-on of another gospel of right. here are the additional criteria you have to meet in order to please God. Uh, no, the, you know, Jesus and on the cross was enough and they're adding a whole nother gospel to it of abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's this sort of abuse that is ongoing. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so mundane within Xenos that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like after a while, you don't want to get numb to it, but after a while you get used to it. You get used to knowing that you can expect to be chewed out for not being somewhere at a certain time. You can expect to be required to give a certain amount of money to show your, your in. Uh, you're expected to buy that right kind of book 
uh, you're supposed to buy uh, buy into the agenda they have scheduled for your life. You're 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 to go to Holden Beach. You're to go to see whatever whatever sort of uh, calendar they have for you. You're expected to comply with it. It's it's a program. It's an abusive program. It's a program a program full of intrusion. And it is. It's what we've been talking about, Sarah. And I'm, I'm, you know, and, you know, I, we haven't really spoken much about it, really. But no. better enough to know to see what goes on in abusive systems. You well, see, abuse is abuse. Abuse is abuse. Whether it's church abuse, it's you know, um, spouse abuse, it's in relationships. Abuse is abuse. And and it comes down to a lot of times they're you know. In, in a situation like this, there is this outside presentation that's dynamic and, and they use information to lure people, you know, and, and many ways, you know, a, an extremely abusive um, person will use charisma to lure people in and, and then abuse them. So um, it's the same dynamic um, when you add the abuse um, on your beliefs and your your spiritual life it it's a whole nother layer of you know depth of impact it's profound right. now they're not only you know in a sense you're experiencing trauma about your your physical life but you're experiencing trauma about your eternal life you know what what's going to happen to me and you know what does god think of me and what does this mean about my eternity? So it's like the ultimate level of betrayal. Right. I really want to second that just from, you know, like personal experience. That's how it is felt for me in that, you know, a year before I was kicked out of, you know, Xenos, I was, um, you know, someone tried to sex traffic me thankfully got out of that you know it was okay but it was really kind of scary and then a month later you know I someone a friend sexually assaulted me and both of those things were really difficult and you know or why I was you know so depressed in the time lead you know up until I was kicked out but in terms of the impact on my life since and I've been out of Xenos now for mm, I don't know uh, well six and a half years maybe the trauma of what happened in Xenos when I was struggling suicidal at kind of the end of my rope and just really begging for help and to be to be kicked out of, you know, no longer have my main support system, to feel that I was disqualified from a relationship with God, because, you know, there's the label, as soon as you're out of Xenos, you, you walked away, even if that's not, you know, what you want to do. The psychological impacts that I'm still going through with what happened with Xenos is I have personally found way more damaging than the sexual assault um, 
by someone I thought was a friend and uh, the almost sex trafficking um, that happened. And, you know, I, I would tend to think it'd be the reverse of which was, you know, more serious and more impactful. And I'm sure it's going to vary so much person to person, but um, it's hard. It, It was so hard to hear about the way, you know, current elders and dwell are handling a lot of the stories and accusations that people like me have been sharing uh, and making fun of, you know, our trauma of, oh, nowadays people are such snowflakes and they will claim anything as trauma and, you know, kind of laughing about it. And like, I'm more traumatized by what Xenos did to me than by the person who sexually assaulted me because just to the core of my identity it has confused me turned me upside down I still don't know what I believe and my faith used to be the strongest thing in my life the most central thing and I I don't know what I believe I don't know what it's very very damaging to be thrown into basically, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like an existential crisis, I guess, you know, every, you know, every day. And if you're anyway, so it's, I found it very, very traumatic. And I, you know, even if, no one physically harmed me or sexually harmed me in Xenos. Like spiritually, it cuts, that cuts so deep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what you're describing is real. Um, you're, you're describing really what happens um, in... You know, I've I've read this and I believe it to be true. It's 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 almost don't take this, you know, it's not crass, but it's it's like a an emotional, a psychological, and even a spiritual rape. It's a much deeper, deeper wound. Mm-hmm. Um when when there is a system like this that has isolated you um systematically you know whether it's obvious or it's very subtle over time but pulled you away from healthy relationships from um well some people might come in with a really you know like no major trauma in their childhood other people might come in with trauma whatever whatever you arrived with they're taking that and dismantling it they're, they're, the process that happens in a controlling group like this um, is that they, they isolate, they separate, and they systematically create themselves as your support network. They're your only support, your only source of information. Um, it's just through busyness or whatever tactics. They're very similar across different you know, it, it, it's very similar in whatever abusive situation it is. Yeah. Um, it, well, and if we look at a power and control wheel mm-hmm. and you're just talking about, say, domestic violence, the first thing an abuser does is they begin to isolate you. 
And then they begin to take control over different aspects of your life. They take control of your finances, over your, your personal life, you know, your dating, your, um, everything, everything, what you wear, what you can, you know, when you can go out, who you can be with, how long you can be with them. So as that happens, they're becoming, in a sense, your primary, um, we all have attachment to, you know, our, our, uh, from childhood, we have an attachment to, a, you know, a caregiver. They're becoming that. They're creating themselves as that primary attachment. And then what they're doing is they're attaching in a very, very sick, very damaging way where like you described, Colin, the, the carrot, the dangling the carrot. That's what an abusive parent with a disorganized attachment does. You know, when we talk about attachment theory, um, healthy attachment is, you know, a child has a need and they can go to the parent, they can cry and they can get their needs met. And then now they know that they're safe and they can go back out and they can experience life. And then when they need comfort again, they can go back and they can be comforted. In disorganized attachment, that caregiver is dangerous. They're abusive. So maybe one day they're loving and the next day they're explosive and they're abusive. And so they're unpredictable. That unpredictability creates an ex existential crisis. It creates a state of terror. It's really truly a state of terror because if your primary attachment now is to someone, something, this group that also is hurting you, um, you know, to in order to to reconcile those to that dissonance you internally have to be become disconnected from yourself. You have to now second guess your feelings. You have to second guess, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be reading my Bible more. I should be praying more. So, you know, I shouldn't be feeling sad. I shouldn't be feeling angry. And so now you're disconnecting from your feelings. And, and then what happens in, in abuse is it goes one step further. And now your, your thoughts are questioned, you know, you're thinking wrong. And so you, you begin to, to have this whole disconnect from your ability to critically think because you're constantly being told that you're wrong, that that's not right. You shouldn't be depressed. You shouldn't, you know, this or that, whatever the, the thought control process is. And so you begin to have to doubt your own thought process. And the more that deepens, you disconnect from your, from yourself, you disassociate, you, you have to disassociate in order to cope with the terror. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk about trauma, there's fight, flight and freeze. So if you can, if you can flee, you know, that that's sometimes that's an option sometimes fighting as an option but if neither one are, are an option because you are now in a sense in this mental prison that's been created through their ideology um if you run you're no longer saved you're no longer you know you're you're no longer approved by god you're no longer um you know in it, you know, one or no longer one of God's children or whatever, you know, the, the things that you've stated. Um, and if you fight, 
how is that going to work for you, right? There's all these levels of punishment. And so freeze and disassociation are what people are left with inside this level of abuse, this kind of a, a complete and total abusive environment. Freeze is what's left. Or self-destruction. Um, when, when you are struggling and you're still fighting against this and, and really, you know, this, this thought of I'm going to hurt myself rather than go even deeper, um, is a survival. It sounds twisted, but it's almost like you're still fighting. What they want is complete submission. And the, the people, you know, um, Megan, you described your discipler. As somebody who, when you were at your lowest point, she, she almost, she hurt you more. She, she took this, you know, suicide ideology and, and laughed and, and, you know, didn't take it seriously. That's somebody who is completely disconnected from humanity from being human from being from having compassion from having empathy this is somebody who has completely sold out completely submitted surrendered their own thought process over to the group and so that's how they're able to be cruel for the purpose of the group um for the perpetuation of this controlling environment they they no longer even have human compassion um so you are absolutely spot on this damage is so incredibly deep um i i you are not off at all to feel like this is worse than a sexual assault or or something like that this is this is yeah profoundly profoundly <laughs> traumatic um and and it does disconnect you from you know this kind of total thought control and um complete power and control over someone's life leads to terror and then despair and and you know just a complete collapse internally of your thinking your feelings your identity and and the hope is, you know, our brains are malleable and, and we have the ability to heal. It's a journey, but you're, you're still, you're still there. It's, you know, in, in a sense, um, Xenos has been, you know, kind of planted in, in you and it's sitting on you and it's a process to lift that off and peel yeah. that away and right. re- reconnect with yourself, but you are there. And if I were to say anything, this is a, it's a challenging process and not every therapist is trained and equipped to handle complex PTSD. But what you've experienced and described is complex PTSD. And it, there's a, there's a whole, additional layer of symptoms that can come with that and and this sort of existential crisis is is part of that um having difficulty with trust having difficulty with you know um 
reconnecting with who you are, all of those are very, very descriptive of some of the experiences people have with complex PTSD. So don't, don't um, minimize it and definitely don't give up on um, finding the right kind of help to go all the distance and, and healing that complex PTSD and, right. and being able to, to get back to the core of who you are. Cause it mm-hmm. is. Right. I knew a man that had left the Mormon church many years ago and uh, he then lost his son to leukemia, six year old boy. And he later would tell me that the pain of losing his ability to, to connect with that belief system was far more damaging, far more agonizing than losing his own son. You know, so that kind of pain that you, Megan, are describing, that Mila, you've been fighting through, Colin, you've seen, I mean, that kind of pain is real, regardless yeah. what the keepers at Xenos want you to believe. It's a very real thing. We have believed your report. As yes. the Bible says. And that's one of the things that's been so humbling to me is that so many people have, have written to us and said they've thanked us for talking about Xenos in the way we have and bringing it out and believing them, letting them tell their story. And that's what we want to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we call it. That's why we all spent the time we've done. And if we're in seeing people struggling with trying to deal with complex PTSD as a result of their involvement with a church that's supposedly preaching the good news on the abundant life of Jesus Christ, then we're seeing something entirely different, I think, Sarah. I, 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 don't, I don't buy it for a moment. This is not the Christian faith that I know about. This, this, this is hell. This is a hell on earth. This, this is something that people need to understand is real it's ongoing it's not made up it's a continual ongoing uh crisis and again it's so mundane it's so ordinary within us people don't even think about it anymore until there's an unfortunate obituary or something like that Mm -hmm. i mean uh yeah you're taking that time what, what else can you say to people who may be listening who are right where we are now. What, what, what can you do to help provide? I mean, what's the, what's the way out of, of something like this? If, if you recognize you've got a problem, like that's the first thing, and mm-hmm. you need help. What, what, what's the next step of help for someone who's realized, who they may have turned the corner and realized, hey, I need to change. I've been in, 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 in this situation too long. What, what, what would you suggest? What would you what would you offer as a, as a as maybe a roadmap for people other than the wonderful things you share with us with with us here already? I I think you know when when you're in a complete belief system like this where where you're it's a it's a total total society it's a totalitarian kind of you know ideology um, their version of Christianity. Um, and 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 you're you're conditioned to only hear them and keep that feedback loop closed. Um, one of the most powerful things 
is reconnecting. Is there someone who is safe in your life from outside of Xenos? Is there someone from your family or your friends from outside of completely disconnected outside of the system that you can connect to? Um, if not, is there a therapist that's not part of this system that is, is a licensed, qualified psychotherapist that's not in the system? Begin to get outside perspective from someone because your perspective has been very conditioned without even realizing it. It's a bit like the frog in the kettle. You kind of get boiled to, to think only the way that you're allowed to think. Yeah. Um, in a closed system. And so getting some outside information is powerful and reconnecting with any, like when I talk about secure attachment, any support system outside of the system and, and hear them and hear their concern. And um, almost like being thrown a safety raft out, you know, in the ocean, Grab it and and listen to, and begin to um, break the you know break the spell of of this closed thought process and um, it's that would be the one thing that they can only thrive as long as they control the information they control the the connections they control who your loyalty lies with. And, um, you know, if you're disloyal in any kind of way or you're of no use to them because you're not submissive enough, they'll try to, they'll, they'll boot you out and blame you and blame the victim. Um, and so it's, it's just one more indicator of how sick this is. It's incredibly, um, incredibly destructive and it is i think the key to in healing is knowing that the abuser is wrong mm -hmm. the, the person who has been abused is not it's the abuser. recognize that there is an abuser there is an abuser this it is wasn't their fault yes and there's nothing you did to deserve it it happens it if you know if you really start to research and dig into who's in abusive groups or abusive relationships uh, in in cults it's typically very high iq you know um middle upper middle class intelligent bright people college students phd students ivy league students um, it's not, there's not a profile of who can get abused. It's, um, you know, it's the abuser that there is a profile on. Right. The right. very predictable profile on. And the things that you've described just uh, tick off every box of, of an authoritarian um, power and control abusive system or person. Um Obviously, it starts with a leader who's indoctrinated people, and it just trickles down to a complete system. In a case like Xenos, what, what I'm hearing is it's an entire system of abuse of power and control. Yeah. And um, it starts with a very sick individual. 
<laughs> I don't think you have any argument here on that. And we'll, <laughs> we certainly will be discussing that more as times go on. But uh, we've certainly had enough people comment upon the leadership of Xenos and just how just fiendishly organized it is, how relentless it is in, 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 in keeping people under its thumb. And it all begins with Dennis McCallum, uh, who has starred Xenos with Gary DeLashmut, and, and they've created an incredible layer of uh, leadership that have perpetuated his model of control and authoritarianism. And it's, it's, it's that's, that's the news. That's, well, it's not yep. the news, it's the reality. You know, mm-hmm. it's something I hope to present on here uh, at a conference here not too long from now. But it's, again, it's just so mundane. It's so ordinary uh, that people don't even think for a moment. They don't even suspect for a moment that, that nice, sweet church with that with all those great Christian schools and all that activity and young life and all the other places, they can't begin to suspect that such things could go on. But all contrary. Yeah. You know, often often, you know, what what you see is is there's generally, and this is what's so deceiving, is that maybe the teaching is, you know, for the most part. Um, biblical or orthodox, but so you have a glass of water and it's refreshing and it's wonderful and it looks great, but it's got one drop of arsenic in it. So if you drink it, doesn't matter. You're going to die. You know, all it takes is one drop of arsenic to poison the well and to um, very subtly, often it's this subtle deception um, and and that's true in so many different examples of abusive relationships where one thing is off and then it grows from there. And, um, you know, I, if I were to say anything, it's, it's uh, the dimensions, the the characteristics of of cults, it doesn't matter whether they're uh, religious or they're political, they're, you know, um, radical terrorist groups whatever they use the same process and this is a process you're describing they start off with authoritarian leadership with charismatic leadership that lures unsuspecting people who have a good purpose for wanting to join and wanting to be a part of something and um, then they dominate they isolate they control and then they begin to you begin to be um, indoctrinated that they have special um, insight, they've got special revelation, they've got, you know, the most unique church or the most unique ideology. And so you're going to be closer to God than anywhere else if you join this cause. And then they begin to brainwash. They begin to do the things that we've talked about. And the outcome is that you are isolated from the world because Zenos is the world, right? Outside of the world, everybody's just a loser. They're just lost or they're, you know, they're missing out on this great thing. So anybody not in Zenos is, is, you know, just whatever. One of the, you know, um, 
Oh, one of the ones we pity, right? Because we they've missed out. So you're isolated from the outside world, but then you're also isolated from real true relationship because everybody is designed to betray you. You can't trust anybody. You don't know who you can trust. You are not allowed to really have authentic relationships. You're cut off from your outside relationships, whether it's through busyness or exhaustion or whatever, they make sure that you get cut off from the outside. And then ultimately you get cut off from yourself. You become the group, you become the ideology and you lose yourself. So it's, it's just an ultimate, ultimate process of evil, but it's as old as time. And it's, it's always had the same outcome. It's, it's Mm -hmm. destructive. It's destruction. Mm -hmm. And so just realizing that you're not alone, realizing that you didn't do this, you didn't do anything to cause this. And that there's hope, connect with the outside, you know, don't give up. Right. Get some help. Get help. Absolutely. Don't wait another moment. Get some help. Get some outside help. that loop. Yep. And talk about complex PTSD and looking for, you know, really trained and qualified professional help that understands complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have any questions or comments you'd like to make? I know we never decide how long we're going to do these, but we're going on almost closing it on two hours. So, but I, I really appreciate every one of you being here to share today. And I just wonder if any closing thoughts or questions maybe you had for Sarah that maybe she could have to share with us. I don't know what your time's like, Sarah. I mean, I'm wide open. I'm I'm not working today, so, but, uh, yeah. but I know you guys have your own things to do, but uh, does anyone have any comments? I would like to, you know, address people who are in dwell currently. So if you're listening and maybe you hear some of what we've shared and you haven't experienced anything so extreme, it's really easy to think, well, it's unfortunate you had that bad experience, but my experience on the other hand is so positive. I really would like to just point out that being a part of a group that has such systematic issues as this is not a life-giving thing for other people who are maybe more vulnerable than you. They may experience stuff to a horrible degree. We didn't even actually touch today on people who were successful with attempting suicide in Xenos because we know that's quite rampant. Um, But also consider that, and prior to, you know, dealing with some, you know, traumatic events, like sexual traumatic events, like for me outside of Xenos that I mentioned, you know, I was doing really well in Xenos and you know, after the spiral down, things got really dark really quickly when I needed support the most is when I was abandoned. And so even if things don't seem so horrible to you now, I want to stress that this is not a safe group to be a part of. If you go through the wrong kind of struggle or trauma, according to Xenos, 
things can spiral very quickly. And I, even if I don't know you, I care about you. And please, mm -hmm. please consider getting out of this group. I don't want anyone to have a traumatic experience like this from dwell anymore. Right. right. Thank you, Megan, because that potential is so high. There's so many people that email and post and say, Oh, I, my, my experience is totally positive. I didn't see any of that. Well, they either out of touch reality or they haven't yet seen it or haven't because they haven't wanted to see it. They've been, they've accepted explanation of the way things are. So, but uh, anyway, I'm, it's not my last word. So, uh, anybody else, uh, Colin, me, any of you guys would like to uh, comment or share, ask questions? Let me put you on spot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, if we're going to add anything else, um, with what Megan was saying, as well, I mean, if you're currently in counseling with through Xenos that they have told you to do, or you're trying to seek help, but it just doesn't feel like it's going the right way, or it doesn't feel like it's helpful, try and seek something outside of it, like what Sarah was saying. Go outside of the church, outside of the organization, and it'll open your eyes. It opened my eyes. Um when I, as soon as I went outside of Xenos counseling, I realized that there are people that actually care and also understand emotions and feelings and traumatic events and can recognize them and call things out. People in Xenos aren't going to tell you that this situation that you're in was messed up because they're just as sold on the ideology that you're a part of. So they're not going to say anything different from what you're already experiencing. Um, and then also, I know it's terrifying to make that leap to do anything outside of the church or even like what Megan is saying is to get out. You can rebuild. Yes. You're, you're not lost after you leave. I know it's terrifying thinking about it because you have friends and support and whatever else you may have that you find so valuable when you leave you'll realize that the value that you put in them they don't put back in you and you can rebuild with something right. that is far more valuable and so much better for yourself and for others if you do that right mm -hmm. there is life else beyond xenos isn't it there is life beyond it yeah a good life mm -hmm. a good one very good life yeah. Yes, yeah. Also, get out before you're emotionally scarred and question who you are. Yeah. It sounds like it'd be a lot better. So uh, don't wait till you. <laughs> a lot easier to figure things out. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um. I would like to say, agreeing with what everyone else just said, um, but also if you do need people to talk to, I feel like any of us here or any people in our Wolves of Poor group are here to talk. I've had a couple people reach out already, so that's been really cool just to be able oh, to give 
a little bit of advice um, on how you can get out because it is scary. I, I, it, I will not lie about that. It is scary leaving, but I don't want people to allow that fear to stop you from leaving um, because it took me eight years to get out. And if I didn't allow that fear to stop, I would have been gone probably two months in. Um, and uh, I don't want to see people's uh, lives damaged because of Xenos. So just being aware of um, the tactics that they use too, um, to kind of keep you from whether it's leaving or whether it's seeking help outside of the biblical counseling. Um, but your mental health is important. That is the number one thing. Do not let anyone in the church or anyone in life tell you that it's not. Um, it is scary to have people constantly make you feel like you're a snowflake a snowflake or too emotional but in reality it's just trauma or your mental illness is just um you know flaring up or your mental health isn't in, in in good shape um so yeah don't i don't want to say don't be fearful because it is scary but know that there are people who left so many people who left who are here to be your community um if you feel like you're gonna lose your friends you got people here who want to be your friends if you feel like um you're leaving god you're not <laughs> uh xenos is not jesus so please we gotta mm -hmm. get that out of our mindsets i think that's something that a lot of right. us all over in right. there um so yeah that's that's my my big takeaway um i guess those three of just not allowing that fear to stop leaving um and then knowing that you are worth something and, and that your mental health is extremely important yes it is yeah um i i would i'm just thinking you know there's some powerful books and so um if information and reading and research is something that you're open to people that have gotten out people that are still in um one of my professors back in the 80s, Dr. Enroth, I was at, I went, graduated from Wheaton College, but I did a semester at Westmont and Ronald Enroth wrote a book, Churches That Abuse, um, 30 years ago, and it's today as it was the day he wrote it. And he also wrote Recovering from Churches That Abuse. Mm -hmm. And so there's some great mm -hmm. information and there is power in knowing that you're not alone. That is a really, really powerful thing to know that you're not, not alone and that people do recover. Yeah. So I would encourage getting Dr. Ronald Enroth's books. There's other books on cults and mind control. And I think the most profound thing is if you're open to reading, the more you read, the more you'll see um, that there's nothing new under the sun and authoritarian yeah. cults are the same. And they're always going to be the same. And this, what you've described is absolutely that. And um, there's Dr. Stephen Hassan who wrote Combating Cult Mind Control. That book is, is a good read as well. Um, there's another I mean, book. Um, I cut my teeth in all those. In the yep. 90s. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, look. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Um, yeah. There's a, there's another one, terror, love and brainwashing. And that one is, is excellent. Alexander Stein. And um, again, it's, it's, it doesn't even, I, it applies to, there can be a cult of two. Um, it, 
it's about power and control. And fortunately, this sounds like it's impacted thousands. And so the Mm. word needs to be out. This is not okay. What you're experiencing, if you're still in this situation, um, and and I agree, Megan, with what you said that not everybody um, might have the same experience, but there's levels of involvement. And I'm I'm guessing, like most organizations, if if you're not in the deeper inner circle, you might not have the full experience. If you're out on the fun layer of the kind of propaganda public face, um, mm-hmm. you, might not, you might not experience this yet, but the goal is is to take you there. Right. So, yeah. If you play yeah. with fire, you're going to get burned at some level, some way soon. And being burned is never fun. Yeah. I've been doing this for a long time, since 1982. I've been administering and trying to help people who've been to these horribly, horrible situations and seeing people struggle with their very reality mm-hmm. uh, after encountering such things like this is always, it's, it's saddening, it's challenging, it's heartbreaking. And, and it's, it, it can be, it can be mediated by, by, by getting, getting real. Yeah. It can be mediated by, by confronting truth. As a matter of fact, several of those books, Sarah, uh, they're on our on our website. You can download awesome. PDF awesome. files. So you can <laughs> take them in your smartphone for you to read. But um I want to once again uh just reiterate that if this has been a tough situation, this has been a tough conversation for you, please uh find someone to talk to. We're here. Uh, it, uh, Colin, Megan, Mia. I mean, you guys have. There may be people reaching out to you. That's wonderful. I want to. I want to encourage that. Uh, if you don't know how to get a hold of them, uh, you can contact us to our our, our assistance inbox. Uh, if you'd like to speak with Sarah, maybe 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 have a note for her. You can send it on to help at spiritwatch.org and any email you get will be sent immediately straight to them. Uh, I won't hold on to it. I won't act on. I won't answer it. If you send it there, it'll go straight to them. And, uh, and then at that point, uh, they can correspond with you because uh, that's, that's what we, we want. We want, we want to see conversations start. And, and by the grace of God, we've been seeing them going on. And, and, and I want to once again, thank each and everybody, Sarah, especially you for our special, a special guest here, Colin, Megan, and me, you guys, I so appreciate your, your willingness to be transparent and mm-hmm. to share what we know is, a, is, a, is a certainly a, a tough time, a tough thing, uh, to deal with in your life. But, uh, but as we said, we're not alone. And in that sharing, we are hopeful, always optimistic that people will listen and will see themselves in your in in uh, in your story, in these stories. And that's one of the great things that we've seen. So many have. And and, and by the grace of God, we're hoping more people will get help. Once again, thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again, guys. And Sarah. Look, look forward to seeing you real soon, soon. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. After such a heavy conversation tonight, I just want to remind anybody who is watching or listening that you are loved and you are worthy of that love. That's not based around your performance. It's not conditioned based on your moods, your elation or your depression. It's a unchangeable love 
that is inherent to who you are. And you deserve ruthless compassion. And I hope that you will treat yourself with such compassion. We believe you. And there is no moral failure to any mental health diagnosis. There is hope and there is healing. Healing doesn't happen all at once. Healing is a bunch of tiny little steps, one after another, that you approach with kindness and curiosity, not shame. And if you are struggling, I am begging you to reach out. We are not meant to suffer in silence or solitude. If you are looking for resources, a great starting point is the leavingdwell.com website. There is a resources tab. And under that, you will find all kinds of stuff, including counseling, um, counselors, counseling, a counseling list and support groups. And there are educational um, books and websites. Um, and I believe there are even um, housing and financial resources um, listed on that page as well. So that's a great place to start, um, especially if you're looking to find a trauma-informed therapist. Um, everybody who is on that list has been seen or um, used by someone who has experienced um, a mental health diagnosis or has been involved um, in Xenos and Dwell and dealt with the trauma um, in the af aftermath of that. Um, so they all come recommended. Um, and then if you are struggling with any suicidal thoughts or feelings, please reach out to the suicide hotline, um, which is now the three digit dialing code 988, which you can call or text at any time 24 seven. Um, and I look forward to continuing this conversation um, as we collectively move forward towards healing um, as a community. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you. We're on dangerous ground right now because of our secrets and our lies. They're practically what define us. When the truth offends, we, we lie and lie until we can no longer remember it. it is even there, but it is still there. Every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. Sooner or later, that debt is paid.